You're listening to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast, and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. For the past decade, I've been working in the field of birth trauma support and education, utilizing my background in midwifery and teaching, and putting my passion for story sharing to good use. This podcast seeks to dispel common myths surrounding birth trauma and what it takes to heal. Each week, we'll be spending an insightful and inspiring hour together, listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing, and discussing the insights of birth keepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a long-time parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth-related, this podcast offers hope and love, guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our earth begins with healing birth. But before we grace your ears with today's episode, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that if you're inspired to heal with me, or to train with me, or if you have a healing story that you'd like to share on my podcast, reach out to me via my website healingbirth.co.nz. Elsie is the host of the Birthing at Home podcast, a mission that was inspired after the empowering home birth of her second baby. Both of Elsie's children were born at home, but not all home births are created equal. And in this podcast episode, she shares with us the various ways she was negatively impacted during her first birth, comparing them to the ways she stood in her power in her second. We also discuss medicalised midwifery training, as Elsie was once a student midwife herself, and how restrictions of their licence limit the ability of midwives to honour physiological birth and a mother's right to choose her birth path. Welcome to the podcast, Elsie. It's really lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Carla. <laughs> Let's get straight into hearing about your birth stories. Uh, I know you've got yeah. two children and um, kick us off with sharing with us how you, what your vision of birth was for your first birth, your pregnancy with Murphy, um, and what kind of preparation you did in your pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I have the Birthing at Home, a podcast, and so maybe if you've listened to that, you'll know that I was a student midwife, um, and yeah, so I also studied nursing. I am a nurse now, but um, with my my studying midwifery, I'd only seen hospital births. Like we weren't allowed to attend home births. Um, and I saw so many, um, like, uh, yeah, like I saw the cascade of intervention in action all the time. And um, I guess I heard about how amazing home birth was and stuff. And so it was always a thing that I was going to have a private midwife. Like I always knew that I wanted that continuity. Um, when it was like initially proposed to me when I first met up with the private midwife, like at, I don't know, 10 weeks or so when I was pregnant with Murphy, um, I was a bit like, oh, like I can actually decide to have a home birth. Like that's so crazy. Like all I've only ever read about home birth. Um, and there wasn't like really, yeah, like three, four years ago, I feel like there like podcasts weren't as big. So I don't think there was like home birth podcasts really. Um, so yeah, I guess I just wanted a home birth. I thought that, 
um, having a home birth would equal normal physiological birth and a great birth experience. You know, I didn't really, uh, I didn't know about uh, what some people refer to as med wives. I didn't know that, you know, the, the energy of like different midwives. I just thought home birth was like the, I don't know, like, you know, that was the best you could possibly do. I didn't think about all of the intricacies of, you know, just birth, I guess. Um, I felt like pretty prepared. The only reason why we did a hypnobirthing course was because like my husband, he was born at home in the Netherlands, um, but like he'd never seen a birth or like, you know, so we did hypnobirthing so that maybe he could learn some stuff. Um, I did really enjoy the hypnobirthing course um, that we did, but we were the only home birth um, couple, which is a common like story that I hear that, you know, that I mean, with a, in Australia, like I think overall it's like less than 1%. So like that probably makes sense. You're probably lucky if there is a home birthing couple in the group. Um, yeah. So I, I just thought that I'm going to have this home birth and it's going to be amazing. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't, like I I like the kind of affirmation stuff associated with hypnobirthing, but like I I I don't particularly align with like listening to the tracks and like you know, and I guess that's why I'm so passionate about home birth and promoting home birth because I don't like consider myself um I wish I was like more like hippie, but like I don't like see myself as that. Um and so it just like breaking down that stigma um but yeah like in terms of preparation I did read like Ina Mae Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth um so like reading birth stories in the first part of that um yeah like Rachel Reed's blog um yeah I'm trying to think did I do anything else I'm I'm intrigued about how, you know, you said you were a student midwife and you were witnessing a lot of the, the cascade of interventions and that in hospital. And you said, and I knew about like, we, we weren't allowed to attend home births, but I knew about home births being like this great thing. And I'm yeah. like, how did you hear about that? What, where, had you heard stories from friends, family, et cetera, who had had home births themselves um yeah like where did where did home birth kind of come into your vision yeah um like it was only from university like when I went to uni I just thought that I was going to go learn how to deliver babies nothing about mum I was just going to go catch babies everybody loves babies babies are cute newborn babies even cuter that's just what I thought I was going to go do um and I yeah, when I've um, recently like been talking about my um, birth stories, like I don't actually remember the moment or like the class or, you know, when I first learned about home birth, um, but it would have been at uni, you know, I had um, home birth midwives as like the lecturers and tutors. So like um, that was pretty 
I want to say probably pretty unique. Um, I know that not everybody has had that experience, but uh, if I hadn't have had those experiences, I don't really know how I would have found home birth. And like, maybe I would never have questioned, you know, if I was to go to have a hospital birth, I don't know if I would have thought, like you don't know what you don't know, right? Like I just would have thought this is it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, which is one of the reasons it's so cool that there are more and more like podcasts out like yours um, and mine and plenty out there um, is that a a really easy means of sharing stories that that spark interest or inspire others or inform others about what's possible for them, right? Like, yeah. uh, And it's so interesting that you said that at midwifery school, like a lot of your tutors were home birth midwives themselves and yet you weren't allowed to attend home births as like as a home birth midwife you know the importance of being able to witness physiological births which doesn't really take place in the hospital it's different if you're in the hospital environment you're messing with physiology from the get-go yeah um so you know like for me I was a student midwife many many (laughs) yeah yeah a quarter of a century ago um (laughs) longer actually and I asked to be put with home birth midwives as much as yeah. possible because I knew that's the path I wanted to go down and that, and it was so necessary. And um, I'm kind of hearing more and more stories of um, student midwives over here in New Zealand coming coming out the other end, never ha- not having witnessed any home births, but not even any, like, you know, a physiological third stage in all of the births that they've attended, yeah. not one. <laughs> yeah. Like, far out oh yeah 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 so um yeah I guess it's something to do with like um the insurance like with the actual birth part of home birth in Australia um Mm -hmm. because like yeah midwives like can't access that so like you can't like students can't just like tap into the midwife's uh insurance covering um yeah, so like I followed some, I had some continued of care experiences with, with women that had chosen private midwives who would do home births. Yeah. Um, the women that I followed, like they were birthing in the hospital. So I got to see like the benefits of continuity, antenatal and postnatal sense. Um, and I think sometimes the midwife would have like a, um, admitting rights or whatever so they could like be a part of the birth in the hospital but yeah like like the hospital is like (laughs) yeah when you think about it like that it's the first like step into pathophysiology like it's it's not built physiology so yeah um yeah that's right yeah 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 we've we've kind of sidetracked a little bit but that's okay I want to get back to (laughs) <laughs> I want to hear about Murphy's birth. Can you share yeah. a story with us? Yeah. So, like, now that I reflect and, um, you know, I spoke to another midwife on my podcast last week or whenever um, about Frankie's birth and we talked a lot about, um, like, things that I hadn't thought about that, you know, my impact. And so now thinking about Murphy's birth, I just, there was so much happening. Like, 
like uh so he was born at the end of april in 2020 and covid stuff started to happen in maybe like march the beginning of april so uh, at the time uh i was working in a mental health hospital i remember you know like walking around the the ward like super pregnant like laughing at reading these newspapers being like ha 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 like you know people are like stocking up on toilet paper like how silly they're so silly like this is like the media is just hyping this up um and I guess it really hit when I you know was 37 38 weeks pregnant and I had you know this plan of like I was going to go um do uh I don't know what else it's called I just call it floating where you're like in the pod and it's like really high salt content water and you float yeah. um float like float space or whatever it's called um I had like acupuncture like organized and like I'm pretty new to the world of acupuncture so I was like excited for that um you know I had like all of these plans you know this was like my maternity leave um like I was meant to be relaxing but really like restrictions started happening a friend came to stay over from the Netherlands uh, she was like doing a trip and then she had to like rush off to Perth to fly back home because the borders were shutting um and then you know there was like fear around uh like the midwives when they come to the birth like are they gonna have to wear PPE um like what kind of precautions are they gonna have to take because you know they have things they have to follow. Um, and I guess you yeah, I had I already had all of this, you know. Maybe I wasn't processing and maybe I was just like, oh yeah, that's happening, but I wasn't like connected to myself to like figure out like how it might be impacting, you know, like in a time that I was meant to be like inward, I guess I wasn't. Um, you know, the the float space got cancelled because of like lockdown stuff acupuncture got cancelled because of lockdown stuff like it just was not uh you know how I imagined it and like there was so much unknown I had no idea what my birth was gonna look like in terms of COVID stuff um you know my mum was planning to come and visit like straight after he was born like from the state so I was like, well, is that going to be able to happen? Like what? what's the first couple of weeks of postpartum going to look like? Um, so I was bringing all of this into the birth, you know, and so then it got to like 41 weeks, no signs of labour, absolutely nothing. Um, and then like at 41 weeks, like the, the midwifery um, – business whatever that I'd chosen they have uh admitting rights to a hospital so that means that they also have to play by another rule book really and so I was told that um if I hadn't gone into labor by or on 42 weeks then I they couldn't support me to have a home birth and I'd have to go birth in hospital so I, I'm like well it's my my first baby it's super likely that like um this is going to be a long time you know but like what else can I do <laughs> like I can't do anything just totally helpless in that situation you just like um yeah and at the time I was like I'm going to be like 
the first woman in history to be pregnant forever. Like it's just, I don't, I've heard about all these Braxton Hicks. I've heard about that mucus plug. I've heard about all these aches, these, you know, feeling things. And there was like nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, and then 41 plus four uh, in the afternoon, um, I just got like a, I had like a dull kind of like backache. Um, and I was in denial for so, so long. I was like, no, I've heard of, you know, women having this prodromal labor that just like goes on and on and on. I was like, don't want to get my hopes up. Um, and so that was at like six. Yeah. Like maybe, yeah. Five or 6 PM, I guess. Um, and then I think maybe at 8 p.m. I text my midwife and said, you know, this is what I'm feeling. Um, and she was like, okay, I'll have some dinner and go to sleep and you just contact me if something happens. Um, and I guess, yeah, like I can't remember it too well, but like I guess from, you know, 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. or whatever to midnight, I was just going through the motions, you know, like I wasn't doing anything. It was nighttime. I think I was like on the ball, um, playing like music, like meditation music, like just the playlist. Um, like I have a video of like my husband offering me ice cream and I'm like, no. And then later I'm like eating the ice cream. So I was just like chill, you know, I was just like relaxed. Um, and I guess things started to like, you know, ramp up, I guess. Um, and like I said to myself, if at midnight this is still happening, then I can use the TENS machine. So at midnight I put the TENS machine on Um and then I think at like three or four a.m., I'd said I'd said to my husband, "Go and like sleep because you can't do anything. It's like there's no point you being awake right now." Um, and then I just remember like sitting on the toilet and like I think I was like turned because the sink was here and just like vomiting in the sink. <laughs> Um, and I, yeah, called out to my husband and then, um, I think because I felt so like, ugh, like this is crap, you know, obviously having contractions as well. Um, I decided to get in the shower. Um, and then I think maybe at like five or 6 AM, um, I don't know who called that Yeah my midwife, my primary midwife arrived. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think I had the pull up yet. I think they like sorted the pull out maybe whilst I stayed in the shower. Um, it's like quite a blur, like from when the midwife comes, it's like quite a blur. Like I'm not like just time, I guess, like no sense of time. Um, I spent like time in the pool um I spent a lot a lot a lot of time squatting over a mop bucket um like people 
as you do, um, how this mop bucket, I wish I knew the brand because I'd totally plug them, but how this mop bucket was managed to hold my 41 plus five week of weight, I do not know. <laughs> um, but it was like such a deep squat, you know, um, and yeah, just like, you know, move, moving about, moving, moving, moving. And like looking like at the notes or whatever back now, it says that I was pushing for like two hours. And so like I know that I was in the pool for some of that and then it was like not like that was slowing down like whatever that means like that's the thing about birth you're like so vulnerable because you're just doing the thing you know like you're like listening to your body presumably um but what everybody else is observing is might be completely different to what you're actually feeling thinking doing um and yes yeah, so I was like squatting over the mop bucket and I guess that's probably when I was like birthing his head and like I, I don't think I'd had any VEs or anything either but yeah I guess I birthed his head and again, looking back in the notes, whether I think I, I think my midwife was trying to protect me from the label, whether it was a body dystocia, a shoulder dystocia, a fatty dystocia, I've heard it called all of those things. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I guess he was like a bit stuck for whatever reason uh, the second midwife was here by the way and I guess I've gone too far forward <laughs> but like going back you know the second midwife came um and I remember hearing something about ambulance and so like my student midwife brain is going this is taking like quite a while and they're talking about an ambulance and then I'm like how like I'm thinking this whilst I'm and in labor how are they going to get me on a stretcher? There's no way in hell I'm getting on a stretcher. Like how will they get me on a stretcher if my baby's head is literally sitting like out of my vagina? Like how is that going to work? That's not going to work. Like what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> I just like was like, my, I guess, my, yeah, I guess my brain was just like, like I wasn't in that uh like primal I guess state anymore I guess and so now like putting the pieces together I strongly um suspect that all of this had an impact on why that last bit was so slow or like why it wasn't occurring as smoothly as, you know, for example, Frankie's birth was. Um, I think the midwives started to panic a little bit um, because, like, 
then I was on my back. Um, you know, I remember like my primary midwife saying, um, he has to get, come out now, come on Elsie, like push, he has to come out now. So I'm like panic, 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 you know? Um, and like, so I was on, like, they told me to lay down on the floor and, um, the midwife did like whatever maneuver, I don't know, like when I watched back the, the video, um, I'm screaming, like not in a, not in a primal, like, oh my God, like labor really sucks kind of scream. Like, oh my God, I'm being torn in half kind of scream. Um, and you know, when I was making the video, I actually, I kept, I kept some of the noise in there, but I actually, you know, I made the video months after Murphy was born. I actually, um, like put a black screen screen, um, and I cut the audio off as well because it was just, I was like, if I'm going to share this video, (laughs) I don't want, you know, between friends and family, I don't want people like hearing me scream like that. Um, and then, yeah, so Murphy was born. So she, she did like whatever maneuver thing. I don't know. It felt like her entire hands were in my vagina. So like, you're already birthing a baby mm-hmm. and then you got somebody's hands. Like, that's just what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not actually sure what happened. Uh, and then Murphy was born and I just remember being like, oh, my God, like just a bit like in shock, like, oh, my God, he's here. Um, and like something in me was like, it's okay. Like he's not breathing, but he was just born. Like it's okay. Um, and like in the video, um, he's like on my chest and I'm like, I'm rubbing him, um, like trying really hard to stimulate him. Um, and I'm saying, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And, um, then like at some point in the video, like, I should have checked before I recorded this, but I want to say like after 15 seconds or something um, and like I don't remember if if they asked me. Um, of course, like when there's panic, I feel like the, the pressure of co- coercion goes up because they really want you to do the thing. They really you know, putting pressure on you to be like, oh my God, you, we have, you have to allow us to do this thing, you know? Um, and so the second midwife has clamped his cord after like 15 seconds or something. Then, uh, and I'm still like laying on my back with him on my chest, like rubbing him. Um, and she's gone to like get the oxygen. And then I guess by the time they're like, un raveled the oxygen oxygen mask and stuff um and like then put it on his face then he started to cry the cord was never cut Mm. it was only clamped but like once you clamp it it's too late Mm. it's too late 
um, because I had been pushing for two-ish hours, I was um, told that they really recommended having a Cinto. Um, so I had the Cinto uh, and, like, the placenta was born, like, I don't know, as normal would with Cinto, I guess. Um, nothing, like, to phone home about that. Um, and then, yeah. Then I just thought I'd had the most wonderful experience of my entire life. <laughs> no way. No. <laughs> yeah. I was so blinded by I've just had a home birth. I'm so amazing. I gave birth to my baby at home. Like I'm so strong. I, you know, um, and uh like I've told a few people this, but like looking looking back on the post that I've posted, um you know, in a Facebook group about when, you know, Murphy was born. Um, I basically am saying uh, thank thank goodness for um, midwives who, um, I forget what I say, but basically for saving my baby. Mm. You know, if it wasn't for midwives, like what might have happened to my baby, you know? Um, And I think... Like, so it's only, it only has occurred to me in maybe the past 18 months. So Murphy's now three and a half. It's probably only occurred to me in the past 18 months that um, we had a bit of pro- trouble with breastfeeding. Now, I always knew that, like, I've never breastfed before. So, like, I'm going to – it's like learning a new thing, right? Like, it's going to be a bit challenging. I expect that. And so I didn't really – think about okay but there might be like different levels of challenging and like maybe I was on a different level like you know um because Murphy could only move his head like one way he could no matter what you tried to do he could not move it the other way um and we went to the osteo and like we did a lot of work like it probably would have sorted itself out but like we went to the osteo like loosening like his muscle or whatever so he could you know have full range of movement Um, but yeah, in the past 18 months, I do feel that the way he was born impacted that, like that's, that's why it was like that. Um, and you know, that on flowed to, you know, the breastfeeding and, um, you know, I still breastfed him until he was like 14 months or so, but like in the beginning, like it's hard when, uh, you've got two boobs, (laughs) And your baby can only turn his head like one way. <laughs> um, yeah, but I truly thought that I'd had uh, a wonderful experience. <laughs> well, yeah, like is that do you think that is in part because that's what you viewed home birth as being? If, if it's at home, then, then it's a great birth or do you or do you think it was that you know when the baby was there on your chest and you'd done it and you felt all this power and strength and like oh my god look at me like because I mean you know yeah birthing women are epic um that that it was like I just had an epic birth or you know and you kind of forgotten what that experience was like when birthing his head and then 
having to be on your back and you describing a like a a, a terrified scream is what I would a terrified scream yeah. yeah I I remember holding on I so I feel like maybe there's too much information I, I guess this is your podcast but I remember uh her I'm on my back she's doing whatever and I'm pushing against her hands I'm in as if you were being attacked on the street you would push somebody away that's what I was doing. I remember holding onto her wrists and pushing her away. And yeah, I was ter- ter- terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I guess, yeah, I hadn't, I'd read the stories in Ina May Gaskin's book. Perhaps I'd heard like some podcast stories, but, you know, I hadn't. I had never, like, you see, like, snippets of, you know, birth at home and things and it, like, looks magical and whatever. And so maybe I just thought that that's, yeah, maybe I just thought that that's how it was. Um, Yeah, I didn't, I didn't reflect then about how much it impacted my confidence in my body and self you know because I felt like I got to that part and if it wasn't for the midwives I wouldn't have been able to do that you know um and then I I think I always was pretty upset about the cord being clamped it's a pretty simple thing in 2023 delayed cord clamping yeah recess with still attached like you have a portable tank Bring it to the baby. If you're not going to cut the cord, what's the point of clamping it? It makes literally no sense, you know. Um, and I guess in a way I also had learned about vicarious trauma and stuff and I was like, well, these midwives, uh, you know, have also worked and do currently work in a hospital setting. They see all of these things. and bringing that into a home environment means that you know we're all human it gets murky you know like (laughs) trying to create that boundary for yourself so I guess in a way I just felt sorry for them I was like well they did the best that they could do um and I still believe that I don't I don't uh, necessarily blame anyone apart from the system for feeling like making people feel like they have to um save women i guess mm. or save babies you know um and yeah i like i just thought i'd had the a fantastic experience i we did decide that i i actually don't remember now that i have two but we did decide that we weren't going to have another baby <laughs> Um, and for ages we, it was like that, but not necessarily from the birth. Um, I, I don't like being pregnant. I find it extremely uncomfortable and restrictive. Um, before you shift into talking about your next pregnancy and birth experience, I just want to come back to, I, I find it remarkable when you were describing what was happening around that 
perceived shoulder dystocia or whatever was going on, that they were worried about birthing the, uh, the rest of the baby after the head had been born. Um, and that you said, you know, at, when you were experiencing that extreme pain and fear that, I don't know, maybe they had, she felt like her hands were inside me, maybe they were. And I just find it remarkable that you don't even know what was done to you and your baby. Like, and, and sure, at the time, it's one thing, right? Like you're in the moment, they're doing what they have to do. It perhaps there's fear or whatever taking over. But and afterwards, like, did you not talk about the birth? Was it not discussed what happened? Um, weren't the midwives or midwife wanting to check in with you about how you felt about your birth experience and specifically about that bit that was clearly terrifying I mean anybody who hears a scream like that knows that yeah you know that's fear um yeah and, and the cord clamping like you know was that not a hey you know I had wanted delayed cord clamping why you know whatever um yeah was none of that discussed like in the postpartum and also impacted by COVID, I didn't really see my midwives that much, you know. I suspect that it probably was brought up like how how are you feeling? How did you think it went? I presume. I don't like, you know, this was a couple of years ago, so I don't yeah. But like I don't know I guess that's just I guess it's really I guess it's really weird you know well um, it's not really it's not really weird in the culture of birth that we're currently in yeah. it said that you came out the other side of that birth going you know thank god for my midwives that was amazing like look yeah. you know um yeah and so so you know maybe it was it was like a a kind of well, they just did what they had to do to get my baby born. Yeah. And I'm thankful and thankful. And so I don't need to kind of question it or talk it yeah. through. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that I sent an email maybe about the cord clamping, but I'd already had like a bit of a disagreement um, because they told me I wouldn't be able to do a home birth unless I had the gestational diabetes test. And I guess that's also like the rule book with being associated with the hospital. Um, and I'd already pushed back pretty hard to not have that. And I still ended up having ha- agreeing to have it. So maybe I also, you know, as part of people pleasing, I just didn't want to brock the boat anymore. I was kind of like, let's just close that chapter. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. 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 So I don't even know. If I would, like to this day, if um, if the midwives sat down to talk to me about it, I still don't know if I could be like, I, f- I would feel like that I was like confronting them and like making them feel uh, bad when really, you know, as a, as a nurse, like, um, like self-reflection is so important um, and not just 
you know, perhaps it would have been nice for somebody to say, um, you know, we we did what we did, um, but we acknowledged that, I don't know, like that was really scary for you or something and we're going to work on it somehow. I don't know, like, you know, but that's, yeah, I guess, again, like home birth is sold as like this, well, I believe it's sold as, you know, this amazing um, thing, but like things can still like, like I would never have gone to hospital. Absolutely not. Um, but your birth space can still be interrupted, you know. Birthplace is important, but like who you invite into that space is equally important. And I guess in a place like Australia where you don't actually have that many options, you know, if you don't if you don't gel well with the midwife, um, you know, that might be the only midwife available to you. So you better suck it up because <laughs> it's not like there's another midwife down the road that you can connect in with, you know. Um, I did get along with my midwife. I didn't particularly connect with the second midwife. Um, and, you know, it's not until I've had this second experience that I've actually looked back and been like, oh, it could have been different in so many ways. Mm. Um, Let's yeah. talk about that second experience. How did you feel finding out you were pregnant and um, what was your journey during that pregnancy of preparation for your next birth? Or, and was it during your pregnancy or only after the birth that you really started to see Murphy's birth for what it was yeah um so yeah we decided we wanted to have a second baby and then it happened pretty quickly and we were living in the Netherlands at the time um and I was like great free home birth like amazing I mean you pay for private health which pays for the home birth but it feels like it's free I guess um and yeah, I guess like in the Netherlands, home birth is much more normal than it is in Australia. Um, and so it didn't really feel like it was anything special, you know. It was like, you know, do you want a birth at home or do you want a birth in the hospital? It wasn't really like, well, these are the pros and cons and these are the pros and cons. But I knew I wanted a home birth anyway, so um you know, I guess, like, in the Netherlands, she was, like, saying, uh, like, every, like, I think I had two or three appointments, and each appointment she'd be like, oh, but you haven't got this vaccination, and, like, why haven't you got, and I'll be like, because I come from a different country. <laughs> We're not vaccinating against the same things, and then I'd say, oh, like, last time my iron was a little bit low, um, and then I just felt like, like, with between, like, language barrier and, like, other like like more social issues that we were having it was just like a bit too much um I did have my 20-week scan in the Netherlands and um again like with Murphy I was told that it was low-lying and I was like oh my god you guys suck like why are you still like why there's like even more depressing that it's happening in the Netherlands you know I just really disagree with being told halfway through that your placenta is 
low lying anyway that's a whole other thing but we moved back to Australia when I was 21 weeks um and in that time I'd already um figured out that I was going to go with a different like midwifery business um and I yeah at like 21 22 weeks met my primary midwife um but like we came back from the Netherlands with like no money with we lost like a lot of money like through buying and selling a house in the same year last year and like just moving to another country, moving back to the original country. So I had to work like a lot. I was doing a lot of overtime. Um, and because of that, I guess, you know, because of that, but also I just felt like more confident in myself. I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Minimal scans. Like, I, I don't want that. If I went to see my midwife, like, what would we be actually talking about, you know? So I guess that worked for and against me in that um, maybe it impacted the level of rapport that I was able to build with the primary midwife. I feel like I um, perhaps didn't click as well as I could have, you know, because I missed like quite a few appointments in that, you know, first trimester, well, yeah, the end of the first trimester and then, you know, the second trimester. Um, But it also meant that I just, yeah, I just was through my pregnancy. Um, Like I did start to develop some fear around the second midwife. I wonder why, but like, also you know I guess that's probably when I started reflecting about I was like why am I so caught up about who the second midwife is going to be but like when you hear Murphy's story you're like well I understand why you might be worried about the second midwife (laughs) you know um and I remember like the manager person of the group that I went with with Frankie um she called me and um I felt really upset when she said it to me and perhaps there's a, a softer way that she could have delivered it to me. But um, she basically said, said to me straight, like um, the second midwife should be sitting and doing absolutely nothing unless there is an emergency. You should not see or hear the second midwife. Um, and uh you know, like that it's the primary midwife's job to control the second midwife basically. Um, And, you know, she basically said to me, um, you know, with Murphy's birth, your primary midwife should have been keeping tabs on the second midwife and what she was doing. And the primary midwife should have been calling the shots, you know, in terms of that dynamic. Um, And I guess, it felt very confronting, but also sort of reassuring that um, perhaps it might be different, but like there was still this uncertainty of who the second midwife would be. You know, they were going through changes and stuff. And, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I was like, can you give me like a name of like potential people or like pictures? I don't know. So like some, like the person that's coming into my house, like, they're not like a stranger and to their credit like um I did get quite a few like profiles but I also thought that I was a bit crazy because I was like am I the only one that's questioning why like why aren't these profiles just like available to like Mm. 
you know, why am I getting them sent like text through from my primary midwife, like as they trickle in from the second possible seconds, you know, it just felt weird. And I guess that's also, um, like part of the the problem with midwifery in Australia is like uh you know home birth midwives it's quite risky to them you know I've um heard on another podcast recently that basically if you become a um private endorsed midwife so you can attend home birth expect that you will be reported at least once in your career um so midwives have like have a fear and so I um, you know, there's lots of red tape as well. Um, so there's actually not probably enough home birth midwives to fill maybe the demand now. And so having this pool means that people that are interested in coming into home birth, it's like a little taste tester almost, I guess. But that also gave me fear. Um, and then, you know, maybe I finished work at like 38 weeks. Um, and then I think maybe my primary midwife was like, oh, these are my days off in the next couple of weeks. Um, and at the time I think maybe I was like, oh, well, I guess I just really hope that I, you know, go into labor when she's working. Um, it just was like, it felt very messy. You know, yeah. like it was like I, I, there was no even half guarantee that my I'd get the primary midwife that I'd know. I'd not met any of the other um, like primary midwives. I didn't know the second midwife. Um, it was just all a bit messy. In terms of preparation, uh, yeah, I was like busy working. I didn't have time to like go to a course. I didn't have money to like go do a course or go, you know, I found like my leaflets from hypnobirthing and stuff. And I think I like stuck some pictures on the wall to like try and jog my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was just, and of course I had a toddler. So it's not like, um, you know, uh, like able to relax, get as many opportunities to relax as with Murphy I would have been able to um yeah so I finished work at 30 yeah 38 ish weeks um absolutely no signs of labor I expected that I would like go over again um uh yeah nothing 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 and then at like 4am on on my expected estimated due date um I woke up to go to the toilet and I came back to bed and I'm 99% certain I heard a pop and my waters broke um well they didn't broke break like you know they you see in the movies but like I was like have I just wet myself (laughs) after I've just gone to the toilet and I was like that doesn't make sense you know um and I guess I was like oh like I woke Kuna up and I was like oh my gosh like this didn't happen with Murphy like with Murphy my waters broke like heaps like whilst I was in the pool like I was well and truly in labor um I was like oh my 
gosh, like it's happening, like, wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what if I'm like one of the 5% or so that give birth on their estimated due day? I was like, oh, that's so lucky. Um, and I didn't message the or call the midwife then. I was like, okay, I just go back to sleep. Um, put she a was on in. stage. She wasn't on holiday. Um, I don't know. They have like this, uh, like on call number that's like one midwife, and then you call that midwife, and then depending on what's happening, they call your primary midwife. Okay. I don't know. So I don't. But your primary midwife wasn't on holiday. She was. I don't think she was on holiday. No, okay. no. Um, and then yeah. So that was Monday. Then woke up in the morning. Whatever. And then pretty much that's what I did for two days, like just replace pad, leaking, 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 replace pad, no signs of labour, replace pad. It was so annoying because you're already so big, like your belly is already so big, you can hardly move, you're having to change a pad every like hour, I don't know. Um I was hot and sweaty. It was just like, this is not fun, you know. And also, um, I've been told that, like, this is my second baby and I should be having my baby now. <laughs> so, like, where is my baby? Um, and, like, when I told the – when we called the midwife, um, you know, the morning of my estimated due date, um I think I asked and I said, oh, like, how long are we, how long can this happen? Like, what's the recommendation, guideline, whatever on this? Um, and she said, oh, like, after 72 hours, um, we would, will have to recommend that you go into hospital to get checked. Um, and that, I already then was like, I really regret telling anyone <laughs> because I was like, now I'm on a clock. Mm-hmm. You can say I'm not on a clock, but now I am well and truly on a clock. Um, and that really impacted me mentally because, again, I have no control over what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. I can't make this happen quicker than I than it is. You know, I was walking I was trying to relax, but I felt so frustrated. I was like having to, you know, I was told that, you know, if you're not going to go into hospital, you'll have to sign in against medical advice. So like prepare your response, like on why you're declining medical advice. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like now I'm going to have to like search all the research for this. Um It was just like so stressful, so stressful. And the irony uh, is, that once you're on that clock and like you say you have no control over the speed at which things happen but the fact that you know you're on a clock um does bring about um changes in your mind that impact your physiology so probably will prolong you know how long it's taking yes yeah absolutely and you know that what i said uh earlier about you know that i um I've been reflecting on this lately. Like now I'm like, yeah, well, possibly all of this crap, you know, the crap from the Netherlands, the crap from moving back, like all this stress just like balled up into one. And, you know, like we will never know. 
but it can't hurt to reflect and be like, well, maybe if um, maybe I had some more certainty, maybe, I don't know, like it wouldn't have happened like this, um, you know, because then when labour actually did start, so when, uh, Monday morning was when my waters like broke and then at on Tuesday at like 8 p.m. or so, um, my primary midwife actually was on a day off. <laughs> and so that's why another midwife and my, sorry, I forgot to say that throughout this all I had a wonderful student midwife. So I did have this amazing source of con uh, continuity. She'd also had a home birth before. She was amazing. Um, so her and this other midwife came to my house and I actually felt like I really connected with that midwife. Quite lucky um, if I didn't, who knows what the story would be. But um, they basically like checked my blood pressure, had a feel of my belly and were like, okay, well, let's just see what happens, you know. Um, and then they left and then I guess I went to bed and like 12 or 1 o'clock I woke up and I was like, I'm having a contraction. Like it's this is happening. Um, and like still reflecting on like why, but it felt like the – with Murphy, I felt apart from that very end, I actually felt like it was there was a lot of intensity, but I wouldn't have called it probably painful. That end, painful, you know. Um, but with Frankie, it felt like the contractions were like proper contractions. Maybe they were like spaced out and maybe they didn't last for like a decent duration. Um but it felt like from waking up to having having that contraction, it felt like that's how the entire labour was. You know, I came downstairs because, like, bed was really uncomfortable. I was like, I really have to sleep. Like, this is, like, my second contraction. You know, I, I can't be awake right now. It's midnight, you know. Um, so I tried to lay down, couldn't get comfy, just, yeah, like I was excited, but I was like, oh, like, so uncomfortable um yeah and I just like did that from yeah like midnight and then I think maybe at like six or seven a.m like we called the midwife um and Murphy went off with a friend um for the day and, yeah, I remember, like, the midwife said to me um, or she was talking to me and I remember thinking in my brain, if I'm still having this, com able to have this conversation, I can't be, like, that far into it, you know. But because, like, the contractions, like, I, I really, really felt them. Um, I just thought, and, you know, I'd been told that, like, it would also be a quicker labour. So by this, I've already been in labour for, like, seven hours or so. Um, and, 
yeah and like so it was in june this year so like winter and i guess maybe at like eight o'clock or so like it then dawned on me that i've set my birth space up downstairs where all of these windows are (laughs) and the curtains are not blocking the light you know i was like oh no like what if uh the daylight um like slows down slows this down I was like, oh my gosh, like what if what if it's like stalls or stops or whatever? So then I started to panic probably inside as well. And I was like, I have to, I have to create darkness. So I came up to um our bedroom, which is quite small. And I had like a chair and pretty much from you know eight or nine o'clock in the morning to maybe 3 p.m. or so. Um in the afternoon I spent up here with the air conditioner on like 27 28 degrees uh right next to the sliding door of the bathroom so if I needed cold air I'd just like push it open let the cold air close it um and you know I really felt it but I I felt safe I had I was here because I'd chosen to be here you know it um I was obviously really glad that it was happening after x amount of hours but I was like well I'm on the train that's not stopping you know like it's well it has one destination and like that's you know we're on the train now um at some point like my student midwife did appear uh, that the midwife that I'd met the night before she did appear as well at some point but they just left me you know um, my student midwife was amazing um, and she like squeezed my hips because I had like um, so much pain when I was having a contraction in my <clears throat> hips um, I don't like from Murphy's birth I didn't really like to be touched and perhaps also um you know the midwives just felt like there was the presence whereas with Frankie I felt like it just felt like it was me my student midwife and sometimes Kun my husband um so when you said your midwives like left you you don't mean literally you mean they like they just just went in my space whilst quietly observing yes yeah 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 um you know, when the midwife that I'd met the night before turned up, I know that she came in and, like, just sat and I guess watched and maybe, like, spoke some words. Um, but then I presume, like, she went downstairs and um, told Kun, okay, let's get this pool ready. Um, and I suppose she must have helped, like, brought stuff in probably and, like, helped Kun fill up the pool and, like, it turned out that the whole hose the water hose that we'd bought like didn't meet where my pool was where I had set my birth space up so we they had to like move the pool but like they had that under control it was fine and I've like a hundred percent trust in Kuhn like he knew what I wanted very very well mm-hmm. um and then yeah I guess it's I spent some time in this jail but that was also really uncomfortable um, and it didn't really feel like it was helping. Like I had the tens machine on when I was out, but it just—it sounds like contradictory because I 
like it it hurt <laughs> but like I still would never have changed a thing like ever um you know I went downstairs and um got to be in the pool and that was like really amazing because like everyone says like the the buoyancy is just so good um and you kind of find a rhythm it's like you know labor and birth in many ways is like a marathon and like you know nutrition and whatever wise lengthwise but also finding a rhythm into it you know um I'd also thanks to my student midwife because instead of using a mop bucket this time in one of my appointments the student midwife had spotted a decorative birth stool in the corner holding up something um and so I'd already asked earlier like can I get like permission to like use this birth stool? And they're like, oh, we never use it. And I was like, can I use it? So I don't have to use my mop bucket this time. Um, so I spent some time like uh, with the birth stool um, and like moving around and position changes and stuff. Um, at some point, you know, like because I, at this point, you know, I've been awake since midnight. It's now late in the afternoon of the next, of like that day. Um, I was seriously like, where is my baby? Like, what is, what is happening? What is happening? Um, and on the birth stool, um, you know, they had the mirror and stuff and I, yeah, I was just really frustrated because, like, I declined VEs and everything, and I was like, I don't want anybody else to do a VE, like, but I would really like to know, like, what the heck is happening, you know? Um, and so I did my own VE. I don't even think anybody was, like, watching me because, like, when I actually said, oh, I can feel uh, his head, I think they were like, what? How do, how do you know that? <laughs> um, but that was, like the coolest thing ever yeah it's like yeah I don't know the it's kind of like you're reaching through like the uh, the veil of like between two worlds you know like that is just even when I think about it now I'm like that is just crazy like birth and the fact that we like can do this and your body does all of these amazing things like that is crazy but that was like the motivation you know I could feel his hair and I was like oh like oh my god like my whole hair's not up there it's just like my fingers you know like I'm so close I'm so close and that's the motivation I needed um and you know I think I spent a little bit more time on the birth pool but birth stool and then they said oh like, do you want to hop back in the pool? Um, like, did you want to, like, give birth in the pool? And I was, like, I'm not really, like, connected to, like, or not connected. I'm not, like, attached to, like, giving birth in the water. But, um, yeah, okay. And so I did. And, like, it was hard work. And, like, like it's called labour for a reason, at least for me. Like, it is hard work, you know. I wonder if I'd had more uh, physical and mental time to, 
you know, practice different breathing skills or whatever during my pregnancy, whether it might have helped. Um, because there were times that I felt like, oh my gosh, like um, I'm a bit out of control here. Like in my head, I'm thinking this. Um, and yeah, I. I kept thinking like when is the ring of fire happening like I just and I just I'm obviously was in um just deep in labor land because like my thoughts didn't even make sense so I was like trying to think about like when the ring of fire was but like I just my brain couldn't put one and one together you know um and yeah then at some point I guess I must have moved into like leaning over the birth pool um and yeah then his head was born and as he like restituted I was like oh my god and you can hear it in um the videos like I'm saying like is somebody touching me is like are you touching me like I'm talking to my um I forgot to tell this detail the other day as well so the the midwife that I'd met the night before, she had uh, like her a birthday, her daughter's birthday or something to go to. So she had to leave. And my midwife was on a day off, but she was just sitting at home. <laughs> so she did end up coming, but I have no recollection of them actually Switching. arriving the fact that one of them spoke or like I looked up and saw somebody was like a massive surprise to me I was like what like I remember the midwife from the night before I like, saying goodbye but like I I don't remember the crossover but anyway I want to so, just I, I just want to interrupt real quickly yeah just to say, yeah you, you used the term earlier you said the head was born and then it restituted and I thought some listeners probably have no idea what that means and I just oh say it's it's when after the baby's head is born their their head will turn or their whole body turns really um to so yeah. the shoulders can fit through the pelvis um more easily so restitution is the head moving yeah yeah and it's like the weirdest I don't know if there's anything more weird than that like just weird not scary not painful um just weird weird like in a really cool impressive like I can't cannot believe how amazing your body is that it 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 does that you know like so cool um and yeah I suppose I like pushed and like I don't know how many pushes like for his whole body to come out but um because I was leaning like over the pool um the midwife just kind of gently pushed him back through my legs and then yeah I like catch him in the water and um yeah like I'm literally just saying out loud I did it I did it I did it I did it and like best experience of my life ever I was like I did this whole thing all by myself I um you know I sat in the pool uh and um you know so at this point it's like the the midwife the backup midwife who I literally did not hear speak until after Frankie was actually born um 
like I feel like they spent most of the time just sitting on the couch, just watching listening, which is exactly what I had wanted. Um, and then the student midwife and my husband um, and me, uh, you know, and it was or everything was kept dark still because it was, you know, now it's um, I've clearly forgotten and I should have looked at it, but I'm pretty sure it was like 6.46 at night time, not I thought it was 7.46, but I'm pretty sure it was 6.46 at night time. Um, was when he was born. We were just sitting there, like, all dark. I was just feeling, like, so much, like, endorphins and, like, oxytocin. is like, just, like, just, like, you're on all of the good drugs, I guess, you know. Um it was just like I could not believe that I had I'd done it. Uh, and I'd already said previously that, you know, I'm happy to wait like up to an hour for my placenta to be born. Um, but I guess just owing to the amazing thing that is physiology, like, and letting it do its thing, I was like, it was all dark, was still quiet. You know, I felt amazing. Um, after five minutes, the placenta, like I birthed the placenta without anything. Um, it was like such a non-issue. <laughs> um, like it was just, I just, yeah, I, I guess that's why I reached out to you to, you know, share my story because like pretty much immediately obviously when I could consciously think about it is I was like, that was a healing birth. Like if that's, um, I would never, never really describe my first experience as traumatic because I guess, I don't know, I see trauma on like a, what's that called? A, um, a spectrum. <laughs> and the things I've heard and read and seen are just so far different and so horrible, like, to what I've experienced. So I wouldn't call it traumatic, but I would still call my birth with Frankie so healing. It gave me um, trust and confidence that my body did the thing that I wanted to believe it could. With Murphy, I felt like, you know, well, if it wasn't for the midwives, my baby might be dead or my maybe I'd be dead or like maybe we'd have had to go to hospital and I wouldn't have had a home birth or, you know, I couldn't even birth the placenta. Like, but with Frankie, I did everything. Even the fact that I had no VEs, like, you know, like doing my own VE, like being, I was just in control of of the whole thing, you know, the fact that the midwives just sat, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to control the midwives. They just like sat and did what I had told them to do basically. Um, and yeah, then, you know, sh so shortly after the placenta was born, um, Murphy got to come, like came home. It just so happened, um, you know, maybe like 10 minutes after Frankie was born um, and he walked in, he was just like, what is happening <laughs> who are all of these people <laughs> it was just shocked and you know we talked so much about like how like this is baby brother frankie blah 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 um and then 
yeah, like I just can't wait for, you know, in however many years to like look back on, you know, this photo of me laying on the couch with Frankie on my chest and like the placenta still attached to the placenta in the bowl. And then Kuhn and Murphy are like just sitting there. And we're all just like together. It's just like such a happy photo, you know. Um and like my postpartum, like again. COVID had a big impact. So, you know, this time I, I would hope it would be different, but it was in so many ways. Like I guess I have, we have a little bit more community now, like people brought us food um, and gifts and just, you know, we don't have family about. So like just having that love, I just wanted it to be left. I wanted like people to like leave stuff, but like also leave me alone. Um like breastfeeding, yeah, it was like a non-issue. Um, yeah, yeah. It's incredible, isn't it, how impactful and empowering healing birth experience like that, the, the ramifications of it in the mm. postpartum and your, in your sense of like self, like your your appreciation of your yourself your confidence your trust in your instincts and intuition your relationship with your partner like having been through that together it's like it's 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 healing in a relationship sense your relationship with your baby and you know like it just it's so impactful yeah 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 I um and I guess in many ways like that's what helped give me confidence to start the the pod the podcast like birthing at home um you know and also encouraged by my amazing student midwife who volunteered as the first guest um but like I just felt like now I have something that I want to share with everyone like now I want people to hear how amazing it can be um yeah because it it can be and like still you know now I've I've listened to so many birth stories and there's still so many things that I would do differently um that you know maybe might have made it a bit shorter maybe I wouldn't have been in you know this um prolonged rupture of membrane situation for so long like who knows but like the actual birth experience was, yeah, like I mean I started my podcast saying I want to share empowering stories and I've had guests say, oh, like um, maybe empowering isn't the word like for their stories, but to me the birth of Frankie was very empowering. I feel like my entire body works, you know, <laughs> Um yeah, like the 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 post part, the the four months that I had off work were like the best four months of my life, and like it's meant you're meant to be like in newborn land, meant to be sleep deprived, and everything's meant to suck, but it was the best four months of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I the, my favorite bit of your story was you describing doing that self exam, you know, like yeah, feeling for yourself, and nobody even knew, and oh my gosh, what she's like you know 
doing things to her own body during her own birth experience and nobody has even been asked permission like yeah yeah irony of of yeah of it being a thing you know but um how cool and and you did it and it's like it was super encouraging it was like wow my body's doing its thing my baby's right there I'm yeah with my baby I'm the first one to touch my baby yeah. all the yeah. time right like yeah. I'm in control of what's going on I'm, yeah. I'm doing this we're doing this and nobody yeah. else yeah is needing to yeah. be part of that yeah yeah um yeah, that almost like gives me tears because I'm like, yeah, I I truly was the first person to ever like obviously Frankie was in inside of, you know, my tummy, but like I like the I was the first person and um yeah, like I mean they're their own little people, right? But like I Thing, like I will always feel like I, I I obviously am very connected to Murphy obviously but you know I think just the way that I probably connect with Frankie might be I don't know like when you think about that in more of a spiritual way you know I'm thinking like oh my gosh like when I when I die, what if he's the last person to, like, that's going to make me cry. <laughs> but, like, that's just, like, full circle. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't expect that I would cry. <laughs> the tears are beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, the power of birth. Yeah, and, and it was that experience that kind of that really was the driver behind you starting yeah. your podcast. It was like I want, I want people to to hear what's possible. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in, in the shared story as well, there is so much learning. Right, we can learn from other people's not mistakes, but things they would have done differently without having to do that ourselves to get to that place necessarily sometimes we do need to kind of go through shit to find what we need to have the experience that we were seeking but um but there is so much um validation and healing and learning and inspiration that comes from um being exposed to other um you know positive empowering experiences of birth um so how awesome and I'll you know I'll link your your podcast and in, in the show notes um but yeah I guess I'm I'm sort of wanting to wind up this interview now and um I just want to finish off with a, a final question of asking you if you could go back to the pre-motherhood version of Elsie and share with her one piece of wisdom what do you think it would be I did. I was like reading your questions before we did this, and I, I was like thinking, "What, what would it be?" Um, yeah, it's you know, it's. I don't think that people understand the the fight that you have to put up. Um, if you choose to engage with uh, 
you know, health services and do things like a little bit outside the box. Like even if even if it's not outside the box, um, I guess with Murphy, I didn't expect that I would have to fight. And so I wasn't prepared to fight. Mm-hmm. And I don't that my my word of wisdom isn't isn't like prepared to fight. No. Um I guess maybe I'm trying to think of something good. Maybe like, like trust yourself before you trust others because maybe that's where I went wrong. Maybe I put put my um eggs in one basket perhaps and I thought because I have these midwives I'm going to have an amazing home birth and mm-hmm. I I did do you know some work but um yeah I, I yeah yeah I don't even know if that makes sense <laughs> but it does make sense and it, it, it absolutely makes sense you know and it's actually one of the more common responses um, that I've had to that question is I, I wish I just trusted myself. I would have told myself to um, believe in my in myself or trust my intuition. Yeah. Um, and it is one of those things that we can only know in hindsight. So it's all good and well being able yeah. to be saying if I could go back. Yeah. Sometimes, like I just said earlier, sometimes we need to go through the shit, the murkiness, the, the challenges and the, the hardships in order to realize things about ourselves and to be, and to even know more of what we what we want and need um from our next yeah. experience etc so yeah but yeah no it did make sense and um yeah thank you thank you Elsie for sharing your stories with us especially you've just shared them last night did you say for your own podcast uh like so I've I've had to listen back to my my own stories to oh. edit for my podcast. But then I was also like on another podcast last week where I shared as well. And like, yeah, so <laughs> it's just just like going through a lot of reflection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like it's been I've had it locked up for so long because I tried to share my birth experience with Murphy. Um I'm kind of glad I didn't, but I tried when he was born and um, the podcast that was available to me at that time said they, they couldn't, they had too many submissions or whatever. So I've been sitting on these stories for like three years. And so, uh, yeah, apart from telling my friend who's, you know, in the episode that I've uploaded today, like you're basically the second stranger that I've ever told these stories to, you know. Um, so I really appreciate your podcast. And, and all the really hundreds of listeners who are going to be listening yeah. to the podcast episode. <laughs> I really, really appreciate um, you having me on and listening and all of the amazing work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. And likewise, yeah, it's beautiful meeting so many um, inspirational, you know, workers in this field of yeah. who are trying to um, support the, the the birthing revolution that's taking place. Right, we are we yeah. are we are stepping into um, like standing in our power as as birthing women and um, 
and taking ownership of our experiences and it has like we've talked about in this episode just such important um and powerful flow-on effects um so yeah props to us us. (laughs) awesome well i'm going to um i'm gonna wind this up and say goodbye but thanks so much elsie thank you so much carla If you enjoyed that episode, please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others and ensuring you subscribe and hit that five-star review. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can get hold of me via Instagram at healing.birth and through my website, healingbirth.co.nz. I would love to hear from you, whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions, or because you're potentially interested in healing with me, or training with me to become a healing birth practitioner. Let's do it. Aroha nui, you beautiful people.